everybody, and welcome to Minute 112 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Bubba Leet from It's Time to Rewind. Welcome back to the show, Bubba. It's good to be back. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it is. So Minute 112 begins with John catching snowflakes in his mouth and ends with Trudeau finally being happy about something. So yesterday we, we ended things, uh, we, we basically no longer have any terrorists. The, they, they've, they've all uh, you know, left us. They, they had enough. They didn't want to, uh, you know, they, they didn't want to continue here. They, they all wanted to be blown up and be bits and pieces all over the place. And so John is now just uh, very ecstatic about what he did. He's lying on the ground. You can see that he's exhausted, but very alert. And he's lying on the ground, and he like opens his mouth to, to sort of, I guess, eat the snowflakes type of thing. It, you know, <laughs> I, I guess if you were to change the lighting and maybe take off the blood on it, on his face, it would just look like some some person, uh, you know, frolicking in the the fake snow. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you've you've heard about the fact that in this movie there's not one uh, one bit of real snow. It's all I mean, they that, had, that doesn't surprise me. They <laughs> had so many that's so much trouble. Especially uh, because you have this entire line of fire and the the fake snow goes right up to it and, and there's no like you know, you you would think that a fire a plume of fire that big would melt the snow around it pretty quickly. Correct. Well actually the, one of the things that they that that uh that Rennie Harley talks about on on the uh, commentary is that some of these scenes it was freezing where they were filming it and they had heaters all around and they used potato flakes you know as for the snow and the, the mm-hmm. heaters were actually melting uh the potato flakes and he said it smelled like like there were mashed potatoes all around <laughs> you know because of it so and then uh john just starts screaming on the top of his lungs and he goes holly Holly, and obviously nobody can hear him. And he goes, "Here's your fucking landing light." Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we can see the flames that are still next to him. Uh, it, I mean, he's he's still pretty close to to those flames. You know, I, I, I'm I don't know. I'm I'm a little skeptical about uh, everything that's going on here. But how come he isn't burnt? You know, he should be a crisp at this point. Yeah. And then uh, we see a plane coming in for a landing. And then we see the internal parts of the plane with the pilot and co-pilot. Uh, this, this is Holly's plane. So we see this the you know pilot and co-pilot of the Northeast Airs, Northeast Airline. And they're, they're, they're really tense as they you know, are coming in for an emergency landing. And then we, we get a shot of uh, some people on the plane, including Holly. And uh, you know she, she's praying and she crosses herself. Uh, you know, the people are, are expecting the worst here at this point. And then we're back in the, the cockpit. And uh, it's really funny because the co-pilot notices first as if they've, they've you know, come through a, a blanket of, of, uh, of clouds or something like that. And he goes, look, look. And then the pilot goes, okay, I see it. I see it. And I mean... Something is a little stranger about how they can see it. I mean, think about. It. Let's also think about the direction they're coming in from. 
you know, we, we see the plane basically flying over the wreckage of the, uh, of the, of, of the, the plane of the bad guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Which means that what's at the end of, of that, the, the trail, what would you guess? Is that would at the be end of the, Well, the end of the trail is John McClane. That's right. <laughs> okay. Which yeah, means that and, they're, they're coming in from the exact opposite direction, you know, and, you know, how do they also know what this is? You know, do they know that this is the terrorist plane? Probably. Because how? they've, you know, they, they've been, you know, they they had the, uh, you know, the, we didn't hear it as an audience, but they, they had the, you know, the long briefing over the beeping channel. No, that's right. They had the, the briefing, but the briefing wouldn't tell them that this particular plane that just exploded, uh, you know, 30 seconds ago is the plane of the terrorists. But they would just like, you know, I mean, I think in their their mind, they don't care what plane it is. <laughs> you know, it, it's just the they can tell that it's the explosion of a plane. It's, you know, maybe it's it possible was, that it could have been one of their planes. Maybe it was another like, plane trying well, to land. I feel sad. I feel sad for them. But hey, that's good for us. No, but maybe it's another plane that was trying to land that, that, that yeah. you know, wasn't able to land and, and ended up crashing. You know, that type of thing. It's just, it's just very strange. The, I mean, again, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. It's great cinematically. But if you're thinking about it from a realistic perspective, not so much. <laughs> you know, well, especially... And, and they do have, like, that, that, uh, that one line of communication that they, they used for the, the uh, beacon channel. Right, the outer beacon. The, the, outer, be the outer marker open. beacon. Yeah. That that could still be an open channel, and they could still like. I know we'll get a shot of the control room um, shortly, but there there could be somebody in the control room that's giving the planes some updates. Um, possibly. I I, I I'm I'm skeptical about that, but but uh, mm-hmm. I I hear what you're saying. About I, the possibility I think it's a stretch, but it's a possibility. Right. Because, I mean, it's, again, they're coming through uh, the clouds, and then they happen to see plane debris, and they see a, a long line behind that. So how are they assuming that that is the runway? I mean, they have, they might not even know that it's the plane debris, and maybe they are just thinking, oh, they, they figured out a way to light a signal fire to show us the way. Okay, that, that, that could be also. That's right. I, I didn't even think about that way. And then uh, as the the plane comes in for a landing, the the music changes and it becomes you know very tense with the music that they're 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 playing. And then they they take us into the uh, into into the control tower and uh, we see Trudeau and Barnes that that are there. And then Barnes goes, "They use the fire to see. They use the fire to see." And then we have some random engineer next to them says, "They can all do that. Let's tell them." And then Trudeau responds, "They already know." Now, you know, working on your assumption, they already know because someone has told them, or they already know because they they can hear, you know, what uh, you know what what just happened, or see what just happened. And then we hear, mm-hmm. you know, and and I love how they zoom in on Trudeau as he says this. You know, the camera zooms in on him by saying, "They already know." And then, uh, yeah, and, and I don't remember, like, I don't remember how the control room was filmed before this, but watching it here, you know, in, in this separate minute, 
I I don't I don't quite understand why it's so smoky. <laughs> you know, it, it looks like <laughs> there's this this giant fog. You know, we we show we see the three people in the foreground very clearly, but everyone in the background is just a, a fog. You know, it, it looks like there's just this massive fog or smoke in the room, like everybody's chain smoking in in this room, and and we just see them backlit as almost uh, silhouettes practically. Um, it's very possible. I mean, I I know that that uh, you know in at, at NASA even at this point everyone was chain smoking the whole time. So you know. Working in the control tower, maybe that that's what you got to do. Yeah, even though we don't see any of the the three characters in the foreground, you know, none of them are smoking. No, no, no. Trudeau and Barnes are not smoking, and neither is the the engineer that 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 comes around uh, behind them. Um, it, but actually, if you look at it, it looks maybe like like a a floodlight or something like that that that's shining into the room from behind mm -hmm. i mean it's it is still in the middle of the night yeah it looks like it's coming from the floor no it's coming from well it's, it's two it's two flights so maybe it's coming from the 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 flight below them you know the 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 the, the floor the story uh below them and then we we hear on the radio uh, another pilot who's concurring and he says we have visual on northeastern's landing and I mean, it, it goes to show that, that all these planes were, were getting ready to land at the same time because, you know, they had to get below a certain level in order to be able to see what's going on based on what we said before, that there's all this fog. So if there's so much fog, you know, how is this other pilot uh, being able to visually see it? You know, it means they, they were also coming in for a landing at the same time. You know they they can't yeah. be they can't be like thirty thousand feet up and say oh I just visually saw you know I can visually confirm that uh, you know that and again aren't, wouldn't they also be concerned about using a fire trail? <laughs> it just seems yeah I I would think so I I feel like this this is like the setup to you know almost like the Wayne's World everybody's happy ending, and this is like really the start of it the you know the plane blows up and then this is. You know, the, this is the first instance of the everybody's happy ending. And then, you know, as as these last few minutes run down, we get the, you know, the everybody's happy ending for each character as as the time goes by. Well, mostly all the every every character and how they relate specifically to John McClane. <laughs> Correct. Obviously. But it, because come on, he's it, it's centering on John McClane. Mm -hmm. You can't can't argue with that. <laughs> and and it is kind of crazy to to think that that like do you remember like what's what's the count of how many planes that are still circling? Um, well, they they, they they've said different things. Someone said dozens at one point, and then at another point, uh, you know, we we I think we counted that there were eighteen flights. If I'm trying to remember the numbers that that were on the board that were supposed to be landing or something like that. Yeah, but it it sounds like and and I I think at the end of the movie we see like six planes. maybe six. That's right. Yeah, but even if it's just six, it's insane to think of six planes using the same runway to land within minutes of each other. Yeah, with with a fire trail <laughs> to light their way. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, how do you know if you're using a fire trail? How do you know if the if the runway is to the right or left of it, or if it's right in the middle? You know that yeah, that it's... that fire trail actually should be on the runway itself. If it was, you know, if it was gushing out of the out of the wing. And if it is in the middle, and then the plane lands in the middle, wouldn't the you would think that the wind from the plane would blow the fire out? That's right. That's right. At least the the trail of it, maybe not, maybe not the you know the the debris of the exploded plane, because right. that's that might be big enough. But at the very least, this is just a you know a jet fuel trail. Like, and how long how long would that burn that brightly? Right. Well, come on, they've got, uh, you know, John McClane's magic lighter. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's he's got magic magic fire that, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't go out. Maybe maybe since a, a Zippo itself doesn't go out with its wind resistance, so therefore it transferred over the wind resistance to <laughs> to the the fire trail. Well, it, it's using the the fake snow as a as a wick. <laughs> That's true. If it if it's if it's all potatoes, so there you go. You can you can you can make can't you make like candles out of potatoes or something like that? Isn't there something about that? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Never tried it. Never tried it. <laughs> and then we get a a shot of Trudeau with a huge smile on his face. You know, we we he's he's mostly grumpy throughout the whole movie, and this this is the first time where he's just really happy. And and then we hear on the radio uh, another pilot giving a report who says they were following the fire. And that that's all we get to hear before it gets cut off. So, I mean, usually at a at an airport, when you're landing a plane, you will be using uh, the runway lighting. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, they, they have different type of intensities. They have high intensity runway lights, medium intensity, and low intensity. Um, basically, you can also switch the, the intensity levels on all of them as to how bright they will be. So, again, I, I, I'm I very skeptical about the fact that, that any of these pilots, no matter how good they are, are able to uh, to land just based on the fire trail. You know, what, like, what was, what was their, uh, their original plan? You know, they didn't know that there was going to be a fire trail, right? So the Northeast Airline, they were coming in for, for an emergency landing. And how would they know, you know, where, where to, where to land? They could land in a lake. Yeah. You know. And, and on top of that, like, I know that Holly's plane, we get the, you know, we get the impression, we don't know for sure the situation on all the other planes, but we get the impression is that Holly's plane is the one that is the most critical on fuel because they are literally almost out of fuel. But I would think that the other planes have, you know, at least a little bit more fuel. Maybe they're still somewhat in danger, but I've, it seems also a bit of a stretch that all the planes just happen to be you know, at a critical fuel level all at the same time. You would, you would think that if Holly's was the first one to run out of fuel, the other ones would be able to circle at least a little bit longer in order to for the control room to get everything set up and straightened out. Right, that's true. And guide them all down safely. That's true, especially since the the Northeast Airline, they were the one, they were the first, they, were, they reported on the radio to everybody 
you know, they said, I know you're not listening to me, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're coming in for a landing. So that means everyone else would have heard it also. You know, all mm-hmm. the other, all the other planes would have heard and they're like, okay, Northeast, let them go first. And we'll see how they do. And then we'll decide on their own <laughs> what we're going to do, whether we're going to try, you know, I mean, and again, I mean, they, they are coming in from LA, but you have, you know, you, you do have the, the Fuji plane. So that might be coming from somewhere in Japan. That, that would be my assumption. Um, which would mean that it's a much longer flight, which means that they probably have, uh, you know, less fuel reserves than you would from, from, uh, from coming from LA. Uh, Winja 114 doesn't have that problem anymore because, uh, you know, <laughs> they're, they're not around anymore. Um, yeah, so. Now, usually, uh, back to what I was talking about with the uh, lights on the runways. So, uh, runway lighting, they usually have uh, uh, at least 2,000 feet, which is one half of the runway length available uh, in order for, for planes to, so that a plane, that, that a pilot looking to come on the short end of the runway, they will be able to see that there's someone coming on the other. And then they, they change the, the, the colors of the the lights themselves, so that uh, the pilots will know that they are coming towards the end of the runway. So here they don't have that either. They they know that they're going to run into John McClane. That that's their indication at the end. <laughs> you know, which we'll we'll talk about tomorrow why that also doesn't make sense. But we'll we'll get there. Um, so that that's all I have to say about this minute. Do you have anything else for the, for this minute before we get into the script? Um. No, I I don't think so. I think that that pretty much covers. You know, we're mostly just getting the the plane landing. We get we do get that nice shot. Not as nice as you know a a future minutes, but the the plane flying through the the smoke as it lands. Yes, that's right. Okay, so what what they have here in the script is it says in in the uh, control tower, uh, everyone watches the fireball in the distance. McLean gets to his knees and looks at the huge conflagration, looks up towards the sky and says, honey, there's your landing lights. Black uh, on Holly's plane in the cockpit, blackness and driven snow outside. And then in an almost cinematic fade through the glass, we see the burning wreckage. And more importantly, the line of fire running clean and straight for almost a mile, a line right along the runway. The co-pilot says, look, the pilot grabs controls desperately, trims the plane. The passengers react as as the, the plane levels a bit. It descends a bit erratic, but now it's alongside the line of fire coming in from the wrong end of the runway. And then the wheels bounce once, twice, and the tire blows. But the pilots hold it as it swerves and finally skids to a halt, turning into the grassy uh, the grassy field. Uh, we can already hear rescue sirens in the control tower. Barnes listens in the headset. One forty is down. They use the fire to see. He begins to laugh. They use the fire to see. Then an engineer says, they can all do it. Let's tell them. Trudeau says, they already know. Listen. And sure enough, there it is. The sound of engines. So it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, you know, it doesn't, but I, I've always loved reading the scripts because they're, they're so descriptive of what's going on. You know, they, they, they do a great job of visually Showing us in you know in our minds what they what they eventually want to put in on the screen. 
Mm-hmm. At least some of them. Oh, for I sure. There's some scripts where, like, they'll get to a fight scene and the, the script will just say, fight scene. Right. Exactly. And that makes sense. And then other scripts, like, go, like, visually just, or, you know, describe in detail each, you know, punch and kick. Right. That's true. All right. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, where what what I do is basically uh, talk about some sort of uh, famous person that unfortunately uh, uh, perished in some sort of uh, airplane disaster. And uh, this week I I, uh, I chose someone that I've always known about for for many years. Are Are you a baseball fan at all? Um, no, not especially. Okay. Have you ever heard of uh, Thurman Munson? The The name sounds a little bit familiar, but but no. Okay, so he was the captain of of the Yankees at the end of the 1970s. He was he was a catcher, and uh, he had been he he'd been flying uh, airplanes. For just over a year, and he bought himself a uh, a a new plane that he was able to be able to fly home. He lived in Canton, Ohio, on off days, so he would fly back from New York to Canton. Uh, he, for some reason, kept switching planes. I don't know why. This was his fourth airplane that that he had bought in a year and a half. Uh, but he was known as a uh, very good pilot. He, uh, he his his flight instructor said that that he was someone who had above average skills and judgment as a pilot. Another one of the players on the team recently just said that uh, you know that he he flew he flew with Munson uh, a few months before he died, and he actually said he wasn't a very good pilot, even though he thought he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, there, there were Yankee executives that were trying to get George Steinbrenner. To, to trade him in order to get him to stop flying because they were so terrified that he'd uh, end up killing himself. So on the afternoon of uh, Thursday, August 2nd, 1979, he was practicing takeoff and landings at the uh, Akron Canton uh, Regional Airport with uh, with a few of his friends. At 3.40, he received clearance for takeoff and uh, additionally three touch-and-go landings in order to to you know, to, to continue practicing when he was uh, approaching for the fourth and final landing, he, uh, he forgot to extend his flaps and allowed the aircraft to uh, get too low before increasing engine power, which caused the jet to, uh, to hit a tree and ended up falling short of the the runway. The plane hit a tree stump and burst into flames uh, uh, on, on an actual, on a road that was, uh, that was happening. There were two other people in, in the plane with him. Uh, his uh, his inst- flight instructor Dave Hall and a uh, and uh, who's the other person and uh, a good friend of his Jerry Anderson and uh, the two of them actually survived the crash. Uh, Hall received burns on his arms and hands, and Anderson received burns on his face, arms, and neck. He uh, wasn't able to, he was actually, Munson himself was pinned against the, the seat and he was trapped and the other two weren't able to, to free him. And uh, the, the, the flames then engulfed the cockpit and he ended up dying of asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Um, and uh, apparently they, 
they found out afterwards that he had uh, he'd, he'd broken uh, some of the, the the bones in his spine, and he was uh, he wouldn't be paralyzed. So I mean, he was paralyzed at that point. They wouldn't weren't able to to get him out. Uh, so basically, the obvious based on the, the the way that I just explained it all, we all can tell that this was uh, due to pilot error. That uh, that that this accident happened, and uh, he apparently wasn't wearing a uh, shoulder harness or a uh, seatbelt, which uh, also caused more severity to the injuries that he got. But uh, basically, both Anderson and uh, Hall claim that uh, they they credit Munson with the fact that uh, uh, he kept control of the plane. Which saved their lives, you know, and he never panicked. So, mm. yep, it's uh, unfortunately, you know, there's there's too many uh, sports people that 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 have their own planes that, uh, you know, unfortunately got into have gotten into these type of accidents. Yeah. So, yep. So, Bubby, you want to uh, tell everyone uh, where they can find you? For sure. Um, today, I will share my newest podcast that is uh that should be um that should be out by the time this this episode goes live it's uh yeah so um this podcast started the the first monday in october um and it's it's you know it's a movies by minutes a, a true movies by minutes where my uh, other podcast, it's time to rewind. I go scene by scene, but I am covering the, the movie Fight Club minute by minute because you know that that one I feel like it's it's so dense. It has so much going on that I I really wanted to cover it one minute at a time to to really dig into all the details that are going on in every single minute of that movie. And I I have a co-host Lance Stanford with me and we have uh, a guest every week we have episodes coming out monday wednesday and friday um and they the we started at the beginning of october here uh so we are just a couple weeks in uh as this comes out and you know we'll we'll be going for you know just about a a full year just doing three minutes a week and that's that's been a lot of fun so far and it's uh it's it's really really great really entertaining and um we have gotten at least one cast member of the um the uh airport security guy that's uh played by bob stevenson uh we have that coming up i believe uh mid-december that episode will be coming out and that that's that'll be a lot of fun so it's uh, it's been a lot of fun already, and it it should be a lot of fun throughout the rest of this. All year. right, did you? That sounds great. Did you did you interview him, or did you let him talk about a minute that he was in? Well, he he was literally only in like one minute. His scene was only about a minute long. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is a bonus interview episode um, because of the scheduling. I I I scheduled the the guests that we had for those minutes, but we do basically just talk about you know his minutes and, and his time in the movie okay that's fair that was great and uh while you're doing that you can go rate review and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to the show finding me is very simple just do a quick search for move around minute you can find me on x you can find me on facebook and you can find me on my website move around minute.com so 
Until tomorrow, yippee Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, it